This is Misty Jane, and you're listening to Backroom Beauty Talks, a real, raw, and unedited podcast that helps uplift the hair industry one stylist at a time. Hello there, friends. Welcome to another episode of Backroom Beauty Talks. Today, I'm talking with Dawn Bradley. I have been wanting her on this podcast for quite some time. I absolutely love all of the content that she puts out. She also has a podcast called The Anxious Creative Podcast. She talks about being an anxious stylist, anxiety, being being quote unquote a lazy person, like all of these things that I totally, totally, totally relate to. And I just love her openness. Um, about all of the things. So in true Dawn fashion, this is an absolutely wonderful conversation. It's honest. It's real. Um, We may or may not have started the conversation talking about poop, but you will hear it for yourself. (laughs) If you like this episode as much as I did, don't forget to take a screenshot, post it on the gram, tag me at Misty Jane, tag Dawn at Dawn Bradley Hair, and enjoy. Hi, Dawn. Welcome to Backroom Beauty Talks. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. So I am like super pumped to talk to you because I just, I love your content. And I actually remember meeting you in 2019 at Hair Love. um, And I've been a fan ever since because um, as everyone knows, I like people that are open about all the things, including farting behind the chair, by the way. (laughs) Hey, I am so many because ever since I started posting about that, people are like, you're obsessed with farting. And I'm like, I'm not obsessed. I'm just honest. Well, All recently that- I saw someone else do one similar and I'm like, no, like that was, that was Dawn. <laughs> Dawn started that. Yeah, exactly. I love it. I like, We've all done it. Don't lie. There's a couple of people that are like, I've never done it. I'm like, I don't believe you. The worst is if you actually have to go to the bathroom, like, and you cannot hold, like I've had, especially when I was in my suite, it happened to me twice where I was like, I am so sorry. I have to go to the bathroom. Like, it is the worst feeling. Yes. I always be like, oh, I drank so much water. I have to go pee when it's like, no, I got to go take a giant dump. First of all, I love that we're starting this podcast off yeah. with poop. <laughs> This is like right up my alley already. I'm like, this is the best podcast I've been on ever. I was going to say, I'm already loving this. Okay. I feel like in our industry, we've all done a cleanser too. So you're like behind the chair and your tummy grumbles and you're like, you know, I ate a lot of fiber yesterday on this cleanse. I got to go. And my salon doesn't have a bathroom in it. You have to like walk down the hallway and it's like coated and sometimes like, anyway, way off on topic. So, well, but. that's how it was at the suites because it was like a public bathroom. So like you had to walk down the hall and then it was like a two stall bathroom, which is even worse. <laughs> yeah. I guess. That's, our, that's our next podcast episode. <laughs> exactly. So, all right, let's get it for the listeners. Go ahead and tell everybody who you are and what you do. I'm Don Bradley. I I've been in the hair industry for 20 years. I just had my 20th year anniversary in May 9th, I believe, of 2021, which is so unreal to me because I still think I'm 18 years old. Um, I live in Canada and I've worked and lived all over the globe. I've worked in Canada, I've worked in the UK, in Australia, and then came back to Canada, started my own business 11 years ago and have been self-employed for the last 11 years of my career. So now I now teach other hairstylists how to run profitable, successful, stress-free businesses, because I'm sure as you can relate, it's like you go self-employed and you do, you get into the hustle and then all of a sudden you burn out. And I landed myself in the ER in 2016 from a stress-induced panic attack and realized I can't keep doing things the way I've been doing it. Right. 
That's it's the very Cole's Notes version. Otherwise, I'll like spend the next 45 minutes telling you all about myself. No, that's perfect. <laughs> Did you feel like when you went independent, that is when like the burnout really happened? Because that's what happened for me. 100%. It was like this weird, and I always wanted to be my own boss. I remember being in cosmetology school and being like, yeah, I'm going to have my own salon someday, like all this stuff. And as an employee, there was like, it was a really different mindset where I was like, oh, I'm not booked. Can I go home early? Like, oh, like wanting to go home early, wanting to like, you know, not clean the salon, not like I had no pride or invested interest in it. And I had a really good setup. I had an amazing boss who like, I remember when I was 19 saying like, hey, I want to go on vacation for six weeks to Australia. Can I? And instead of just shutting it down and saying no, she went, okay, let's, how can we work this together? Like, I don't have anyone earning money in that chair for six weeks. How can we like scratch each other's back and so she worked with me so I could and I had it too good to leave for so long I always say like that's I always say to salon owners that's how you got to set it up so your staff don't leave make it too good because that dream of wanting to be sorry all of our windows are open um that dream of wanting to be my own boss was too big of a risk for how good I had it at the salon and as soon as she sold the business to another person and they took away a lot of the benefits it was still like legally run and everything I was like, I, I got to peace out. And then I went out on my own and I have this Instagram post that I like tongue in cheek, but it like blew up a couple of years ago where your lack of boundaries is not a form of excellent customer service. Mm -hmm. And I reposted every few weeks because every time it hits home and that's, that's when it all shifted where I was like, I am so good at this business thing. Like my clients ask me anything and I do it for them. And I like, I always say it came from a place of, of insecurity on my part. And so if I could make other people happy and they told me how great I was, it didn't make me secure, but it fed my ego, which gave me a false sense of confidence, right. which then made me believe I wasn't insecure. Well, and That's you did a post there. too that I think I've actually brought up on this podcast before. Um, I drop names all the time. I dropped your name a few times. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I think, was it the one about um, that your, your people pleasing is, is actually people disappointing? Yes. Yeah. yeah that, that's a big one. And that one, I was like, oh shit, like that's so true because yeah. you can sit there. I mean, that let's talk about a color correction. You know, you, you don't know what you can do. You say, yes, I can do that. And then you disappoint them because you can't, because you're too scared to say that you can't do it. Right. Yeah. And that's one of my favorite things. Like I remember having a, like I do consultations very differently than most people. And I remember having a, a client sitting there going like, with all these things that you're telling me that could happen, should I just go somewhere else that uses a different color line and I was like oh no it's not the color line like these risks exist unfortunately it's not a standard in our industry to talk about them beforehand we only talk about them when shit hits the fan in the like two percent of times and it took me having someone's hair fry off like literally like comb fell off to realize I should talk even though these risks are minimal and we're, we learn about heat reactions and blah 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 we don't talk about them with every single client because they're so minimal until right. when they have to go, I should have talked to them about this beforehand. And so I, sorry, I went way off on a tangent and lost what you originally said, um, but basically uh, disappointing people, people disappointing. disappointing. Yeah. And I always said like, how many times to this client, I'm like, how many times have people promised you an outcome and you've been excited and then you walk away at the end of your appointment disappointed. And she's like all the time. I was like, right. So I'd rather disappoint you now, not disappoint you, but like set realistic expectations to wow you in the end. And I made some quote once that a student of mine actually brought back to me. I didn't even remember saying it, but it was like, you, you, if you please people in the beginning, you disappoint them in the end. 
if you disappoint them early, you please them in the end or something like that. And I was like, I said that. That's good. <laughs> yeah, it's so um, true. Well, yeah. it's crazy working with my clients that it's like something as simple as, hey, just like communicate. Like, just say that. Like you said it to me, say it to your client. And they're just yeah. like, oh, really? Like, I'm like, yeah. Like, like they come to you for you as a person, right? Like they, like they, they want you to be the expert, like be the expert. Don't just yes them constantly because they'll be disappointed every time. Yeah. And we have like, as people pleasers or recovering people pleasers we have this fear of seeing that look on the person's face yeah. and so we wanted we want to defer it as far as possible and so you end up really like that whole you, you aren't a people pleaser you're a people disappointer because I, I remember being with a, an ex of mine and he like like I remember someone saying this is such a weird example but like hey can I borrow your truck and he'd say yeah and then he'd, he'd come home and be like I don't want them scratching like the whatever part of my truck. And I was like, well, just tell them no. Well, I don't want to tell them no. And he'd wait until like moving day that this person was going to, and like, be like, oh, sorry, you can't borrow it. And I'm like, you're actually making it way worse. Yeah. Now you're just a dick. <laughs> yeah, right? And like, if you would have just said no in the beginning, they maybe would have been like, why not? You know, there's that, and that's our fear is like someone being like, well, why not? Right. And like really making us like explain why, and we don't always have to. But like, I think of that example of like, if you tell someone they can't borrow your truck three weeks before their moving day, they have time to find someone else. Where if you bail on them last minute, disappoint them last minute, right? Like at the sink going, oh, looks like your hair didn't lift as much as I thought it would. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe if in the consultation you went, I always say like, best case scenario, it's gonna lift like a dream. I can't guarantee that. So just so you know, there's a possibility. Even if I've done their hair for 10 years, because I've had clients go on new medications, their as women, our hormones change as we age, like things change. And even though you have a certain amount of predictability, cause you know, the client, you don't always have control. And so I always tell them, I'm going to show up with all my skill, talent, and knowledge and do the best I can. But I need you to be aware of the fact that there are variables out of my control each and every time. Yeah. And going back to the explaining thing, like with the truck thing, like mm-hmm. sometimes just say no, like, mm-hmm. sorry, I'm, I'm not available. Like when you go and explain, you're opening up them to be like, oh, oh, you have to be somewhere at one. We can hurry up. Like we can do it by 1230. Okay. Like, just say like, no, I'm not available that like, I'm, I, or I'm, I don't know how you would say it. You can't say I'm not available that day. They'll be like, oh, well, how about the next day? But- <laughs> I, had people, I remember inviting a friend over once and she's like, oh, we don't want to put you out. And I was like, oh, you're not. And then I was like, oh no, she just doesn't want to come over. Like, right. it wasn't like, you don't you don't want to come over. Um, but it's that you don't know how to say no, thank you. And cause we're so scared. I think also as like creative people, we're very like we're empathetic in the point where we like feel other people's discomfort. And so we would rather soothe someone else's discomfort and make ourselves uncomfortable. Right. Cause we don't want to feel another person's discomfort. So we try to like ease the blow. And then if they come back, like in that situation where my friend's like, Oh, we don't want to put you out. And I'm like, no, it's not a thing. We'd want to have you over. And then like, she didn't, I don't even remember how she responded, but I was like, oh, that was her way of trying to be like, no, thank you. But I'm trying to make this about that. I'm doing something for you rather than just being like, oh, you know, it's not going to work for us. Well, and the initial discomfort of the conversation, like the initial, like, like, um, okay, you know, your hair is not going to lift this light is so much easier than the discomfort that you have when they're not happy. And then you go home and then you get the text the next day. Like, it's so much easier to have just a teeny bit of discomfort. Yeah. So that it doesn't last. <laughs> like the, to, to feel that discomfort, it's not, it's not 
it's not comfortable, right? Yeah. It is discomfort, but it's a lot less discomfort, uncomfortable. And yeah, exactly. Then yeah, I agree. That's what I'm gonna say to that. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yep. I was trying to say it differently, but it's not working. <laughs> Um, so it's like the short-term comfort, giving up short-term comfort for the mm-hmm. long-term one. It's kind of like the same thing. Yeah. So I'm going to link that right into money. <laughs> I love it. So tell me a little bit about your money story. Yeah. So I like grew up in like a middle-class family. So I had like a pretty good relationship with money. I like my parents, like I'm going way back here for a second, just so like to set up. Cause I really do think our story with money starts like at birth, right? Agreed. And yep. how we see money being used and talked about in our lives and not necessarily being taught to us, but by observation, we make a lot of conclusions as children, not just about money, but about everything in life, right? Like, oh, you like see people like talk about things or like hush hush or, you know, and you like learn these things through observation. Um, From like a very early age, my parents like taught me like if I wanted to, I never got an allowance, but if I wanted to earn money, it would like be an exchange for like work and things like that. So like unloading the dishwasher, chores that most kids have to do, I got paid to do, but, but I learned that like, effort like I in in, with effort came in exchange of something my parents ran a business so I'd like go like lick stamps and put them on envelopes for them they owned like a Culligan water so I'd like bottle water for them and like earn so I I was learning how to work really early um but it was all like for me it was always like to get something and then like in high school it's like oh I had this job to like earn money to go to Hawaii with my basketball team and then I like quit my job because I didn't I was like Hawaii's done um and then I went to hair school, was told by like everyone in my life, that's a really cute hobby. Like, what are you actually going to do? Overheard. And like, I love my parents and I know they care for me. And I know this wasn't like a thing, but this is how I perceived it. And so I want to preface that with like, when I share stories of like my experience with other people, it's how I perceived it, not not necessarily how they intended it to be received. I want to be really clear about that. Um, I remember overhearing my parents say to someone like, oh yeah, she's going to hair school, um, but she's going to go to university after. And I don't think that was on their end, like any sort of negativity towards it, but I, the place I was and what I had heard about, like, you know, my own hairdresser in high school said like, don't become a hairdresser if you want to be able to financially support yourself. (laughs) Right. So being sensitive to that already, hearing my parents say that, I took it and assumed like, it was like, shameful or embarrassing that I like just was going to hair school and then when I like took two classes in university and like flunked out (laughs) I passed one with a 51 percent um I felt embarrassed and I felt dumb and I felt like I couldn't really be successful so I started telling myself this story that like success meant university degree um good income meant university degree and that was really taught to me and encouraged me through my life and hair was kind of like shameful, like snapping bubblegum, wearing high heels, like ditzy, kind of not really a career. And so going into my career that way was that was my mindset. And then I started making good money. Also, if this is getting way too long, just cut me off. No, it. you're good. You're good. <laughs> um, within my first three years of doing hair, I like did competitions with my boss and like outranked her in service dollars which I always preface with the fact that three years in, it wasn't because I was uber talented. Earning money and talent are two very (laughs) different things. And I will be very transparent about that. So, uh, but then I like got in my head that they were the same. And I was kind of like this like 21 year old hotshot with an ego 
um, that I, it's hard to admit when you've had an ego in the past, but fully that like played out for a long time in my career thinking like, oh, I'm the shit. Um, but started making good money um, for, for what I thought as a hairstylist, as a commission stylist. Um, and traveled all over the world. That's a whole other part of the story. And so when I came back to Canada and I went in business for myself, I was earning about 55 to $60,000. Like that, that was my total income earnings as a commission stylist on my pay stuff or whatever. And so then I went on my own and I started seeing all the money, right? Not just my commission. And I was like, that's filthy rich. Yeah. (laughs) This is all going in my pocket. Yeah. And like not really knowing how to separate all of that. And just, I was in a marriage at the time that was not healthy. I was unhappy. So I just put myself into work and I saw like, you know, 10 to 15 to $18,000 months in being self-employed because I was working like crazy. Like my, my, I wasn't charging high prices. I was just working a ton and I spent it all because this is the money I have. And that first year, um, CRA, which is like the Canada revenue agency sent me my income tax. Um, bill because I didn't you know I wasn't an employee and I owed $20,000 and um, I had recently just separated from my husband and I had just bought a house with all the money that was in my business I just took it and like put that as my down payment so I did not have that $20,000 and I went oh shit I thought I was making great money and I but like you don't if you spend it all like it's gone Right. And so I worked my butt off. Sorry, I'm like trying to wrap this up, but I worked my butt off for that year to pay off the $20,000 as well as save up for the following year. Because I thought if I don't get ahead of this, I'm just going to be behind always. Um, And that's kind of when I started to go, okay, I have this weird relationship with money. Mm -hmm. And if I've got it, I spend it. And so kind of through, I would say like, I, I got better and I'm a really good saver, but I didn't really know what I was doing with my money. Like I could save it if I wanted to save it. But if I didn't, I just spend it. And I didn't really know how to allocate it or manage it. Um, I tried like budgeting apps and I couldn't stick with them. Um, and it wasn't probably until like three years ago that I read Profit First that like that changed the game for me. Yes. And uh, so that's kind of like my money story is like getting hit with a $20,000 tax bill. Um, I had my little cry. I felt like a loser. I was like, oh my gosh. And everyone was telling me how good, like, Don, your business is doing amazing. And it was like, I can never let them know that I'm so embarrassed that I don't know what I'm actually doing, not just with money, but like business stuff. And that's where a lot of my education, like I talk about, like, there's so much, uh, so many of us that are embarrassed about the fact that we don't know that we don't want to ask the questions to the people that have the answers that can help us. Cause we're too embarrassed to say like, I don't even know what I'm doing when it comes to money or, you know, this sort of thing. And so it took me like reading, you are a badass at making money and profit first to really go, okay, I need to shift my mindset around this and like start being more, um, like the excuse of just, I don't know, isn't enough anymore. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like you don't know what you don't know, right? Like nobody does. And it's like, there's so many people out there now that have learned from their own mistakes and they're like, we want to help people. You want to help people, other people, they, they've done it. They've made the mistake. They learn from it. They want to help you not make the mistake. Um, I think the hardest part for people is admitting there's an issue that they have to fix. And then the next hardest part is wanting to pay somebody to help them to do it. (laughs) Yeah. Cause like, well, this is my money. You know, I have a really funny story of, um, 
of someone that I knew that used to like growing up would say we're bro like my family's poor my family's poor um we would get like you're rich because we had a swimming pool in our backyard and so like an in-ground swimming pool was a right backyard. and so it's like you're rich and I'm like but you guys get to go on vacation every summer like we don't we didn't go on vacation anywhere and I remember like this like weird like we're not rich we're not poor and then meeting that person in adulthood and saying like oh all these rich people and me well, like they were sharing with me that they had, her and her husband had saved up a hundred thousand dollars for a down payment on a house. They had paid for their car in full. And I went, you're not poor. You're just not in debt. Like all these other people. Exactly. I have the flashy things. And I think it was Gary V that said something where the world would be a very different place. If we all put the number of like how much in debt we are on our chest. Yeah. We compare our lives to what we think people have. Exactly. Yeah, well, like, the, your net worth is like, like I, I, I can, I will judge people off their net worth. Not really I'm, for your listeners. I'm not really judging you, but like, <laughs> but like, like, I don't give a shit about your Mercedes right? because you probably leased it and you probably, you know what I mean? Like it probably isn't yours. Like I want to know at the end of the day, if you sold everything you have, how much do you have left over? Like, that's right. what I want. And I think that we get so caught up and we all do. I do. I do with travel. Like I love to travel. I see people travel. I want to do that. Like we, we have to kind of keep up with the Joneses, but we don't, the Joneses are fucking poor. <laughs> and I, I like, I don't know if I've got this somewhere. And if I'm stealing it from someone, like, and someone who's listening knows where to credit it from, or if I made it up, do you ever like, when you're like, I don't know if this like all the time. Right. And like, yeah. also, <laughs> yeah. like I could have read something two years ago and it's like stayed. I don't know if you've, okay other topic there's like this whole thing about like unconscious copying where like comics have like copied each other's jokes but actually not known yes That's a whole nother topic for another show. <laughs> um but oh yeah the keeping up with the joneses i'm like okay so we look at everyone in our life and we go like jones a jones is a we're <laughs> like they've got like the vacation home but they drive an old car but we don't notice the old car and then family b has the brand new car but they like have a smaller home and like we only see the like things we want about each like of these 10 people so then we think we have to keep up with all 10 of them but we don't see the sacrifices that they make like family c goes on vacations three times a year but like you know doesn't have the vacation home or you know doesn't eat out ever or things like like not saying that that necessarily is the case but like we we each have different priorities but often if we get in this like comparisonitis which is I think like gone to a whole nother level with social media, we see like, we constantly are seeing the highlight reel of everyone and we think we need to do all those things. And I made the example of like, if we only followed one person on social media, you'd realize that not everyone's doing everything, but we think it because we see everybody, like we see this person doing this and this person doing this, this person doing this, this person doing this. So we think we have to like have the car, have the house, have the vacation, have the cabin, have the thing when realizing like, we don't all have it. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's so true. It's funny. So I stopped working behind the chair in September to go all in on coaching. And, um, you, you know, like, this is not like, you don't just start selling something and everyone comes running. Like, it's not, I'm not like, anyway, the point is I had somebody, um, in one of my question boxes ask, when did you start, <laughs> when did you start making the same amount of money with coaching as you did behind the chair. Okay. I had to read it like four times. Cause I'm like, I did, I was behind the chair for 17 years. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
I will let you know when that happens because it's not even close. <laughs> like, but it's the perception is that I could do that because I was bringing the same amount of money. But what people don't see is that there was numerous months with zero money. We right. haven't been out to eat in forever, maybe once a month. Like we decided what the value was, right? Like I'm going to go all in on this and I'm going to sacrifice these things to be able to do that. And I guess I should talk about it more or we should, you know what I mean? People should talk about it more, but it's not the, it's not fun, right? Like it's not the exciting stuff. I use an example today in my, um, in my stories, cause I work out a lot and I had to do really like accessory work today, like low weight, stuff like that. Like I can lift heavy, but I have to do these small things to be able to do the big thing. And I can't do the big thing if I don't do the small things that I don't like to do. Like nobody likes to do the boring stuff. Right. And, but nobody posts the boring stuff. Everyone posts the big stuff. You post the heavy lift. You don't post the tiny 15 pound kettlebell, like, you know, and it's, it's, it's interesting. Still pretty heavy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll say five pounds, whatever, two pounds. (laughs) Just to be safe. I'm so out of shape right now. I'm like, but it's, but it's interesting because we all think that everything is the happy, fun stuff that we see online and it's mm-hmm. not. And even me who knows that for a fact still can look at other people and go, you know, like, yeah. am I not doing enough? Am I, you know, and it's like, but then you got to go, do you want to do enough? Yeah. Like, what yeah. do you want your life to look like? Not what do you, what thing do you want? Like, I want that. Like, do you want to do the things that gets you that? And do you want to sacrifice the same things that, 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 that person did? Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think like, even like transitioning, like I, when I went like full-time into coaching, like digital coaching, I had, all, I'd been behind the chair, but I had also been like teaching classes for three and four years right. um, to other stylists to like build up that clientele. But I also, my story is kind of a little bit different. And this would, this is right after I met you, I went to hair love retreat in 2019 uh, and then came home. And the next day my dog passed away very unexpectedly. And I can't talk about it too much because I'll get really emotional. But I decided I had started my um, Rock Your Business program that January. So I had opened it up for enrollment once. Uh, and it did better, better than I ever expected. And I decided when my dog passed, he used to come to work with me and I was like, I can't go back to the salon. So I decided to take three, I think it was three or four months away from the salon. Um, and just to, cause he was like my soulmate anyway. Um, and then I just never really went back. So I do like, I go back, I have a few clients, but I go in like maybe once, maybe twice a month for clients. But it was like kind of this decision where I went like, I've only opened up this program once people have gone through it. They had success with it. This is great. I guess I'm just going to go all in on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and like with no, like, you know, I didn't know if it was going to be successful the second time. Right. <laughs> right? Like, right. You just don't know. And, um, but I was like, okay, I'm going to shift what I'm doing and I'm going to take this giant leap and without a safety net. And have you seen the movie free solo? Yes. Terrifying. Yeah, I don't know so how he I, does that on his little fingertips, but anyway. <laughs> or like, he like, he like, hang, like, he like, his one of his exercises, like hanging from his fingertips. Yes. But I use, I'm really big on analogies. There's one part in it. So for those of you guys listening, if you haven't seen Free Solo, it's this guy who's like going to 
is it called summiting a mountain? I don't know. Climb a mountain. I don't know. He climbs a basically straight up mountain with nothing with but nothing. chalk. Yeah. And so in his- It's Alex something. Yeah. His poor girlfriend. I'm like, he loves climbing more than you. I think they got married actually. I heard him on oh, Joe Rogan. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Pretty sure they actually got married. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, I was like, I remember being that girlfriend to someone who was okay. And um, <laughs> anyway- I use the example of like, there's a part where he's like training for it. So he does have the harnesses on and he gets to a part where he has to, he literally like can't, if he holds onto this, he can't reach the next part. So in order to get to the next part, he has to push off, create momentum to get over here. And if he hesitates during the actual climb without the harnesses, like he'll fall to his death. And people, multiple people have died doing this. And I always use that example of like, when you're going to either, whether you're investing in your business on the next thing, or you're going to take a giant leap. Maybe you're going into uh, from like commission to salon suite or rental or whatever your next big business move is. It requires letting go. And otherwise you can't hold on here and go like, oh, go, go gadget arms. Or like, does everyone else have longer arms than me? Is this why like, are they able to hold on? There is a point in some jumps that it's risk and risk, you know, there's, there's failure or there's, there's success. And, you know, you just don't know. But I always say, like, if you if you hesitate, like if he would have hesitated, he'd fall back, but he had to create momentum. And so if you can push off and create momentum, you'll get there. And the cool thing is, is with what you offer and with what I offer and what the industry has so much more of now than ever before than when we started is community that can support you. They are your harness. They will catch you. And so you don't have to be so scared of letting go because you have people that if you hesitate, they're just going to give you that little push. Yeah, it's so it's so true. <laughs> It's yeah. so true. I mean, I'm, I'm thankful for, cause I mean, I remember, you know, 17 years ago, like there wasn't like education out there. Like, you know what I mean? Like you got education from a brand or something like that. Like I'm thankful for the communities that are out there now that really truly want people to win. Like yeah. they really want to help people. They don't just want people's money. So yeah. it, that's, that is nice. Yeah. It's, um, you've got to decide what you value. I think that's the hard part, you know, and for this me, just a dollar amount. yeah, exactly. Like for me, it was, you know, there was a lot of factors to my decision and I'm going back behind the chair one day a week, ne- starting next week. Um, cool. be- because I need some fucking face-to-face people talk mm-hmm. time, but anyway, um, <laughs> you learn a lot about yourself when you make the big jump, yeah. you know, and you learn things that you don't expect to learn like internal stuff, you know, you, yeah, I was, well, we were talking before we started recording how I was diagnosed with ADHD not too long ago. And I don't think I would have ever known if I wouldn't have gone into a role, like as much as much as I want people to know that I do love what I do now as like an educator, there are lots of days where I just sit in front of a computer mm-hmm. and, you know, filming YouTube videos is fun. Making podcasts is fun. And I do love it, but I like, that's why I do stay behind the chair a little bit for that interaction and to also be able to relate to my students to know what they're going through because it's so easy to teach when you don't have to do it right like that that, that whole phrase those who teach or what's like those who can't do teach or something have you ever heard that no I haven't (laughs) you know the people who can't do things are the ones that go and teach it um and like I never it's so easy to give advice on something you don't have to do and so I'm like okay I want to make sure I stay behind the chair so that I like can remember that feeling of like enforcing boundaries or firing a client or things like that um it keeps you inspired as well. Like I found that I'm almost forgetting how to be in a salon, right? you know? So it's like, mm, okay, I think that it's time. Yeah. Like <laughs> and every change in your business, whether you're, you know, wanting to educate or go out on your own, 
there's going to be like a discomfort of growth and like the working out analogy is always the best of like if you want to get stronger you're going to get sore and it's yeah. not going to be it shouldn't be painful otherwise there's something wrong but it'll be uncomfortable and that right. means growth is happening and it doesn't have to be really uncomfortable it's just to be a little bit uncomfortable um, yeah and failure like i i don't even like that word anymore because it's like what is failure like failure is just a lesson and yeah. i heard um somebody yesterday they said um Oh shit. I'm going to forget it now. But they said, um, are you scared of failing? Are you, are you scared of failing for yourself? Are you scared of people seeing you fail? And it was like, Oh, (laughs) because it's so true. Right? Like, like it's, if something doesn't work out, like it's okay, fine. But if it doesn't work out and everyone sees it, like, that is what everyone's scared of you know but it's like once you go you know what who fucking cares what other people think then mm-hmm. like you're no longer holding yourself back from those things you know I like kind of get a kick out of this is maybe like I don't know if you call this cynical I like love being underestimated yes <laughs> what well, makes you work hard like I'll show you yeah and like you know? and I'll quietly and like maybe you won't even see, but like keep saying, keep underestimating me. Do it. Right. <laughs> it's like right. so like you even dictates the word. But I think because like I've been and like let's get real deep into like childhood shit. Like that's been my life. Like that's how I felt my entire life is people are like, oh Dawn, like cute little Dawn. Well, they're projecting their fears of failure on you. Yeah. And I may not, you know, like I won't be the flashiest or the loudest, but like I'll make an impact. And that's my purpose, right? Is like to make an impact. And I was just thinking about like the failure thing. Like for me, when I heard that same quote and I remember like thinking on it and then I was sharing it with a group of stylists being like, my real fear wasn't failure. It was being embarrassed. And I came up to that, into that conclusion with my therapist when we were doing like, you know, childhood stuff and as woo woo as it sounds, I remember going back to a moment of like sitting in the back of our station wagon with the plastic seats, crying. I'm the youngest in my family and I'm the only girl. And I remember crying and being told to stop crying and being so embarrassed that I couldn't stop. I'm like, stop crying, Don, stop crying. And I was like, you know, like the, the incontrollable, like you can't stop crying. And that's when like, and then I remember like seeing my mom turn around, like my dad is telling me to stop crying. I love my dad, he's great. I know that he wasn't intending to, you know, have this right. impact on my life. Disclaimer, um, disclaimer. Disclaimer, once again, like intention versus impact, two very different things. What I experienced, I know was not what was trying to get intended on me. Um, but I remember seeing my mom turn around and my brothers and like feeling like all the eyes were on me. And in like, when I was working through that being like, okay, like focused attention when I'm feeling embarrassed is the worst feeling. And that's where I play small a lot is like, I don't get like loud because that fear of everyone turning and looking and then being embarrassed. And well, so that's going to be the underdog, right? When it comes down to the idea, like in your head that you, what we think people are going to say, right? Like mm-hmm. that half the time people probably aren't even thinking, No, you know, yeah. like going back behind the chair one day a week, it's like, are people going to think that my coaching business isn't right. doing well because of that, you know? And then it's like, but who cares what they think? Cause I know the truth. You know, and it, but it's like that will stop so many people from doing the thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember when I was going out into a suite and my mom, oh my God, I love my mom to death and she's still a biggest supporter, kind of disclaimer again. But what if they don't follow you? It was like 30 minutes away. What if nobody follows you? What if it's too small? What if you don't like it? And I finally just said, Mom, all of those things have ran through my head about 20 million times. I don't need you to say them to me. I am going to succeed. And that's all I said. 
And I did. And she shut up. <laughs> like that's the exact same thing that happened to me. So I was 31 years old and I decided to like completely move to a brand new province. Like mm-hmm. far, like not, not like no, no, none of my clients would come follow me. Six hour drive. Um, and start over. And I had no plan. I sold my house. I, you know, my commercial lease was done of my salon. And I, I remember like it was a Monday, September 22nd, 2014. I got in my car and I moved to Calgary and my boyfriend lived here at the time. So that's who I knew. And I didn't even have, like, I, I had a resume and I was like, I've been self-employed for five years at this point. I'm like, well, I guess maybe I go be an employee, but I was like, it didn't sit right with me. I was like, I'm just gonna piss some owner off in a year when I go out on my own and so I showed up here 31 years old without a plan and I didn't even know what I was gonna do and two weeks later we like asked our landlord can I plumb the sink into the basement and I was like I just gotta like I think do my own thing here and within 12 weeks I was booked like solid months in advance and I remember people telling me like I'm like you're 30 you're in your 30s you should be settling down you should be like you know thinking about I come from like a small town kind of place where it's like buy a house when you're 19 like you know, like do all the things. And I was like, ah, I just, I feel like there's bigger, better things on the other side of this decision. I can't explain it, but I'm going to make sure it happens. And I think, I don't believe in manifestation in the way of like, if you just think it, it'll happen. Obviously it's like, I think if you focus on something, you will take the necessary steps to see it through. Um, and yes. I really like that like, idea of manifestation, like just like dreaming about something and looking at a picture of it every day. I think like keeps you focused, but I th- we still have to take action on doing the thing. And I think that's where my determination, I was like, if I have to move back here, I have to move back here. Right. And like, I'll probably be embarrassed and feel like a dog with his tail stuck between its legs and everyone will go, Oh, I told you so. But knowing that was there, that was what like drove me to make sure that I figured stuff out. Um, and like I said, within 12 weeks, I was booked solid in my basement and like in the burbs. And within a, a year later, I had my salon downtown. And I didn't plan, like, I'm not like a five-year planner. Those right. things don't work for me at all. But I was like, I just felt like, I just saw the opportunity. I, I would say opportunity doesn't present itself. You have to go chase it. And so as, as I took steps forward, like things cleared for me. And then I just kept taking steps forward. And did I did you- end up in the hospital. So I took like 10 giant leaps back as well. I don't want anyone to think that like, I just made a decision and it was like easy breezy. I like 2016, I had a massive panic attack and had to change right. how I ran business. Are you somebody who um, like gets an idea and just does it? I'm the person that um, like gets an idea and wants it done tomorrow by noon. Oh, me too. And, and then gets so, real impatient yeah. and like real down on myself when it doesn't happen yeah. tomorrow. And the more <laughs> I've learned about ADHD since getting my diagnosis, the more I've been like, okay, this makes sense. How do I work with this? And like in my business now I have employees and I'm like, they like, even yesterday, I was like messaging with Elena and I was like, oh my, I'm on medication for my ADHD. I'm only, when we're, while we're recording this, because I know this is coming out later, I'm on like week three of medication. So I'm still like pretty new to it. Um, and I was like buzzing, like my, like I was like above myself yesterday and I was like spitting out things to her because I'm like a visionary person. And I was like, you just need to like, let's have this like one word that you just type back to me saying like, you're spinning Don and I'll know to like, slow down right Um, but like creative people I think are like that and and um and if people have ADHD like we are like quick we want if it if it excites us we want to do it if it doesn't excite us our brain like literally won't allow us and so I always call it like I'm addicted to learning but allergic to implementing Mm. because I'll often consume 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 think of all the things I want to do I know I'm capable of it 
but I lack the understanding that I don't have the capacity to do it all. That's, oh my God, I can relate to that so fucking much. (laughs) Like, it's not even funny. (laughs) Maybe I need to make an appointment. (laughs) (laughs) It's truly like we are capable as creative and like multi-passionate or what all the words that like are out there that we relate to, like we are very, I almost wish I wasn't good at, at like good at so many things. I'm not really like, I don't want to say I'm great at everything. I'm good at a lot of things and I can learn things and I like learning things, which is kind of a downfall because then it's a hard thing to let other people to do. Cause I'm like, I could do that. I could do that. And oh, like I'd do it differently than you just did it. Right. <laughs> right? right. And like a little bit of a control freak in me. Um, and like learning, well, like if I want to grow my business, like like bookkeeping, let's talk about finances. Like I've never done my own bookkeeping and I'm really glad that I haven't. And I remember my dad saying like, well, Don, it's super easy to spend 15 minutes at the end of each day. And like, it's true. It is really easy. It bores me to death though. And I can't do it. And so that's one thing that I've always hired out, but there's other stuff that like I've refused to like outsource because I'm like, well, I can do it. I can do it. Like nobody Uh, can do it the way you do it. Yeah. Yeah. And like the one thing that I've learned is like learning to delegate and you know, whether it's like someone washing your dish, your bowls at the salon or, or cleaning your salon or doing your laundry, you can't expect them to do it at the hundred percent that you would. You can expect people who work for you or that you outsource to, to do it at 80%. And that's okay. You need to be okay with that because it will still move you, your business ahead. So being okay with the 80% rather than the hundred you give, knowing that you'll get further and where you want to go quicker. And I was like, oh, that like gave me, cause I kept thinking like, how come nobody does it the way I do it? And not that I do it perfect. It's just like, particular yeah I, that, I feel like I went off in like 10 different directions no so. I like that I like the 80 percent thing because I'm the same way like I right now I do everything one I have the time two I know how I want it there's things I want to delegate but I when I can probably do it I'm probably going to be scared to do it because I'm going to be scared they're not going to do it the way I do it so yeah, yeah no I can totally totally relate to that I want to switch gears for a second though okay. I want to talk about laziness yes <laughs> I love talking about laziness. I'm the laziest person. As we are recording this, I am still in like I well, I told Missy I am braless. Um, I have not gotten ready for the day. I have a pretty lazy morning. Surprise! <laughs> this is the first video on the YouTube channel. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay, it's pretty much how I show up on my stories on Instagram. But I'm like, it's actually funny when I'm like done up. People are like, huh? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I really recognize me when I do get put together, which meh, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> but yeah, so, laziness. Let's talk about laziness because I I know my capacity. Like I know that today I've recorded two podcasts. I'm I'm gonna edit edit them. I'm done for the day. There is nothing else I'm gonna have the the capacity to do. I'm gonna be exhausted. I know that about myself, and I'm gonna go sit on the couch, and that's me. (laughs) There is this stigma that you cannot be successful if you do, if you do things like that. Like, why is that? Like, what is that? You know, I wish I had like a solid answer. I think like, let's, I think I can only speak from my experience, right? Um, We see in the media, we see on social media, like everyone's always working. Once again, going back to that, keeping up with the Joneses, Joneses, there's always someone doing something when you sign online. And so we don't see people taking their 24 hour social media break because they're literally taking 24 hours off. And we, and like, I always joke when people are like, Hey, I haven't been on my stories for so long. Like I, whenever someone says that, I'm like, I didn't notice. (laughs) 
Yeah. Right. Like, and so like, I never say it or like, I'll joke about it because like nobody follows us. Like maybe a couple people, but like rarely are there anyone that we notice if they disappear for 24 hours or even a week, but yet we feel that. And because we're consuming, we think, oh, like, oh, like at 10 o'clock at night, there's someone in like Australia that's like just waking up and they're getting busy. So we almost um, observe this like 24 seven working thing. Mm -hmm. And then somewhere along the line, and I just talk, I talk about this in a lot of my classes and my teaching is like, we really glamorize and glorify hustle, right? Like I remember people being like, like after 2010, when I went out on my own being like, Dawn, you're doing so well. And I was like, I know and I'm so exhausted, but like really like proud to tell people like, I'm so tired. And it was like this really like badge of honor that I wore of like, oh yeah, like I'm working to the bone. And I, I don't know where that started for me or how, like, I think once again, it's like one of those things that you just kind of like, it's not necessarily verbally taught to us, but we observe it and through osmosis we kind of adapt to it and so I always say like I don't know about you guys but like the person I want to learn from is the person who has balance mm -hmm. I don't want to learn from the person that's like I'm going to push myself to the limit until I achieve what I want I'm like nah I'm going to take my weekends off I'm going to walk my dogs in the middle of the day like I'm really going to build a life that I want and that's like when I started doing that in my salon business I stopped working evenings I stopped working weekends and my business didn't crumble because I had to learn that I ran my business my clients didn't run it yes. um and so like I say laziness because we feel lazy when we're not working 24 7 when really it's just about rest we need to prioritize rest meaning I had to start putting it in my schedule scheduling it so that I could when clients are like oh what are you doing I wasn't saying I'm not doing anything like that's what I felt like I was telling them like oh I have nothing but like, no, I have to go home and like nourish my body and rest my, my, my bones and things like that. So putting it in my schedule saying, oh, my schedule's already full. Sorry. Yeah. So instead yeah. of blank space of free time, it's like scheduled rest. And that really, that helps me feel like less lazy. Quote unquote lazy. Yeah. It's interesting. I read, did you read the book Chil Chilipreneur? No, but I've heard about it good. You okay. would really like it. It's, I liked it a lot. And she talks in this book about being bored mm -hmm. and she talks about how every time somebody asks you, Oh, you must be so busy. Oh yeah. I'm so busy. Because if we said, actually, I'm kind of bored right now. That person that asked that question would think that you're unsuccessful. Right. And, and it really got to me because I'm like, Oh shit. Like it's true. Like we automatically have to tell people that were busy because it will show them that we're successful, even if we're not, <laughs> you know, and it's kind of shift my, my thinking now. Like, um, I got my haircut yesterday and went into the salon that I was working at before I stopped. It was like observing how nice your hair looks. Oh, thank you. I, yeah, I just got it cut yesterday. So, <laughs> um, and, uh, the owner was talking to me and she's like, how are things going? I was like, good. I was like, I'm going back behind the chair one day a week next week. And I was like, you know, honestly, I'm just bored. And in my head, I'm like, she's thinking coaching isn't going well. I know it. Mm -hmm. And then in my head, I'm like, I don't care. Like, yeah. I, I don't care. Like I am, I have days where I need to do something like that's the truth. It yeah. is what it is. And that you'll like that book though, because it's like, we just, it's like we, the way that we word things so that other people think that we're a certain way, you know? Yeah. And you know, what's funny, like going, if I can piggyback up on, piggyback up on that, piggyback on that, it made, it reminded me of, um, of a talk I did once where I said like, 
And this was a really hard thing for me to realize and, and admit to myself is that fear of what other people were thinking. Like, I don't know what other people think, but I know what I've thought about other people in those, in scenarios. Right. And so realizing I'm not scared of their judgment. I'm scared that they think how I do. Mm-hmm. And so if I heard someone saying this, this is the assumption. And like the more compassion I've built in with myself and with others and stop like we're humans, we're like, I'll admit, like I've judged people. We all have, it's really hard thing to admit. So we don't want to say we're, I mean, how people. do you find friends if you don't judge people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, At least a little bit anyway. <laughs> I like, I grew up in a, in a, in a religious community that didn't teach being self-righteous, but like, once again, that of like, I remember thinking I was like very much better than other people. I'm like, like being like, oh, it's a shame. Like I remember, and I don't know, maybe this maybe too much to share, but I remember thinking about a friend of mine who was like definitely a better human being than me. And I was like, it's sad she's going to hell and I'm going to heaven. And like, because she's so much of a better person, but like I've got the right answer. And anyway, that's like a whole nother side. But like that like self-righteous, like better than. Um, and that was something that I had to work really hard on and like realizing how judgmental I was and the, my biggest fear in taking leaps and bounds in my life and in my business wasn't what other people thought it was I was scared other people would judge me the way I've judged others right. and so when I started having more softness and compassion and going wow look at them like taking that leap good for them rather than like ooh, that's really embarrassing I stopped being so scared of what other people thought and it's it's still there right but it's way less than it used to be because I'm I'm continually learning not to be uh, like recognizing my judgmental thoughts when they pop in and trying to like push them aside and go like, yeah, go for it. Do it. That's great. And like, look at you, like publicly failing and picking yourself back up rather than being like, Oh my gosh, can you believe that? So-and-so like, right. And that's how I used to, I used to be so gossipy. Yeah. It's funny. I've never been got, well, I like to know everything, but I will <laughs> never be involved in the drama ever. Like, 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 like if you told me something right now, like I would love that I know it, but I wouldn't like be like, guess what Dawn said? Like, like mm-hmm. I just like to know. And I've always been that way. I was like that in high school. Like I was always friends with everyone because I'm, I'm Switzerland. Yeah. Like I've always been Switzerland. <laughs> like, yeah, I love um, but I've, I've found now that like, if somebody says something where I feel like they're judging me or like, I feel, um, defensive or anything like that. Like I now know whatever they said is triggering me for some reason. Like I'm no longer mad at that person. Like now I'm like, okay, why did I get defensive? Like something, they said something that is bringing up something for me that I need to look into. And Mm -hmm. that's been a big game changer for me because I'm, I've never, I mean, everyone judges, everyone judges. I don't care what anyone says. Everyone judges. Yes. And I think that my judgments are very funny a lot of times, but anyway, um, (laughs) but for the most part, I'm a very welcoming, unjudgmental, Mm -hmm. like I'm a, like, I like to judge for comedy purposes, (laughs) (laughs) if that makes sense. Um, but everyone has a struggle, right? Like everyone is going through something. Um, and I, oh, now I just look at the way that people say things or treat people as them. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I still have my insecurities. We all do. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting because it has shift. I don't get mad at people as much. I don't get as reactive towards things as much as I used to because of that. Yeah. Cause it's sometimes you just have to go, you know what, Misty, it's not fucking about me. Like 
the whole world does not revolve around me. <laughs> like being self-conscious is the most selfish thing you can be because you assume everyone's thinking about you. Right. Um, and what you're saying about like how like being judgmental, like I've made some reels that poke fun at clients and I've had like some of my clients been like, have you been talking about me? And I'm like, no, oh my God. Oh my gosh. No. Like these are just like satire because if I like, and if you read the caption underneath it, I'm like not bashing clients. I'm actually showing hairstylists how we can like better have boundaries and communicate. But if I like made a reel that was like, Hey, like the reason why your clients are taking advantage of you is because you don't know how to have good boundaries. Like it wouldn't be funny and no one would get it. Right. And so it's funny. It's like, I got a DM. I made this reel that I don't know what constitutes viral, but it like a ton of people saw it. And it was like, um, when your client shows up, when your client's more than 15 minutes late and it's like the blink 182 song, like, where are you? And it wasn't shaming clients at all. It was just like, you know, where are you? And then in the caption, I talked about like how never assume your clients like standing you up or doing it on purpose. Cause one time my client was like dying in the hospital from a car accident. Right. And I remember being initially mad, but someone didn't read the cap, the caption. And I got this nasty DM or no, it was a, 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 a comment on it. And I just like, and then I don't know how you can turn, like, I couldn't reply to the comment. Like this person like left a nasty comment and somehow, I guess on Instagram, you like can make it so people can't, it's like, this person does not allow people to reply. Oh, so interesting. Like, so I DM'd her. <laughs> <laughs> Just and, saying. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It obviously triggered me. And I was like, hey, like, I don't, I forget what I said. I put it up on my stories the next day, just like letting people know, like this, this was a, a teaching moment. And oh, she was like something like, I hope your clients show up. I know the service industry is so tough, like very, um, Somebody yeah. who's never worked in the service industry, obviously. Yeah, and like, I know how hard it is for you guys right now. And he probably went to a I, university. Yeah, so then I, now I'm being mean. Yeah, <laughs> I think something about like, hey, I hope you were able to read the caption. And then she deleted her comment. And I was like, oh, oh. obviously like something in my post triggered something in her. She didn't read it, didn't understand it. And then my, I like to think that she read it and went, oh, this person's trying to help other hairstylists not be upset when their clients are late. Right. Um, yeah, like the whole self-awareness journey. And like when you start to become more self-aware and there's no like arrival point, but you kind of think like, isn't everyone else on this journey too? But not everyone is. Yeah, that's so true. And it gets harder to interact with people who obviously aren't for like, at least for me, like I have a hard time even having conversations with like old friends sometimes now, mm. you know? My parents, I was talking to my dad recently and I was talking to him about, you know, like, um, your limiting beliefs. And he's just like, what? Like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. never mind. Like, yeah, it's, but it is, it's, it's, it's interesting, but it also, I have to remind myself because most of the conversations that I have now are around stuff like that. And I have to remember that a lot of people aren't doing the work, like just because the conversation I'm having with people who are doing the work doesn't mean the whole world's doing it. And, yeah. um, that's hard sometimes, you yeah. know, well, especially when you have like a revelation and you're like, Oh my gosh, everyone needs to know about this. And then you share it with someone and they're like, not into it. And you're like, why aren't you? Right. But I've been on the receiving end of like someone being like, I read this book and like, and I'm like, I'm so don't care. Yeah. Don't care. I'm not into this thing that you're into, but like listening to them, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I've been that person where it's like, I just had this huge like realization and I need to tell everyone and everyone should be on the same page as me. And like, everyone's got their own timing. Yeah. Right. And people have to be ready. I, that's something um, I was just talking with a friend this week about um, when it comes to like coaching and stuff is like, you know, 
um, like this friend, she helps hairstylists like with fitness wise and, you know, being healthy. Um, and then I help with money and I'm like, you know what though? Like they have to be ready for those things. Like you can't, you can't just like, like, I can't just say, Hey, like you need help with money. Let me help you. Like if they're not ready, then it's, I'm just bullshitting with them. You know what I mean? Like, and, um, it's the same with like self-awareness because that shit is hard. Yeah. Self-awareness is difficult. Like really like diving I'm deep. Sure. It, it can hurt a bit. <laughs> I like, I just closed an enrollment as we record this closed an enrollment for my program rocker business. And like when people are signing up and asking me questions and like, will this do this for me? I'm like super honest where I'm like, just joining is not going to do Jack. Right. And exactly. I wish it did. I wish it could do the work for you. And I'm like, and there's a lot of fancy, shiny marketing things out there that try to convince you that the result will happen just by taking, put pressing that buy button. I'm like, but my business values are honesty, transparency, integrity, kindness, compassion, and empathy. I'm like, I will be honest where there is effort you have to put into it. Yep. And also, even if you put the effort, but you have the mindset that it's not going to work, it won't. Yep. So if you're like, I'm going to join this program and prove Don that it doesn't work then you will because it won't and I'm like my little like or because I like analogies and I like sayings and like when I made this one up like a couple years ago and I keep using it is our beliefs are like a compass and we head in the direction of what we think is possible and I see so many people I I know we're not recording this video wise but like they're walking towards their goal but they're looking over here and when we look in a different direction so they believe that they're going after it and they're like why isn't it working for me And I don't believe, like, I don't, I also don't subscribe to the thought that just believing something will make it happen. Like we all have different obstacles and like equity is a whole nother thing and and stuff that we can talk about. But um, if you're even taking the necessary steps, but you're focusing on like why it won't work. Like if you think about crossing the street, if you look this, if you look the other way while crossing the street and trying to hit a mark, you will unconsciously like go in the way you're, what, what you're looking at. And so we really need to, take the steps forward, but also keep our eyes focused on like that. It's achievable. Does that make right. sense? Yeah. You got to put blinders on Yeah, for the most part, you know, yeah. and you have to believe in yourself and mm-hmm. like, it seems so stupid. Like five years ago, if you would have been like, Missy, all you have to do is believe in yourself. I'd be like, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> like, but yeah. now it's like, oh, you really do because you can't even take the actions correctly. If you don't believe that you can do whatever the thing is. Um, yeah. And like completely, honestly, like even then, like it won't be achievable for everyone when we think about like, um, like socioeconomics and like some people are born into a situation that don't have the privilege that we have in order to be able to like, oh yeah, we can just like do this because we don't really have anything stand or like biases that like as a white female, right? Like a lot more, like I can achieve things in a way that have a lot less, you know, um, and I'm so not the pro to talk on this. And if I misspeak, this is my greatest fear speaking about this stuff is that I like misspeak and inadvertently like offend or hurt. And I'm always open to being corrected. But like, just knowing that like, um, like socioeconomics, racial, like all those things play a part and not everything, like there's privilege in it. And so what can be just believing for, for some people, there's other roadblocks and things in the way in society that make it harder for other people to just like go after the same things. Well, everyone's actions are different. Like everyone's actions have to be different. Some people it's their actions are going to be a lot easier. Some people it's going to be a hell of a lot harder. Yeah. And it's not fair. 
No, it's not. Um, so it's funny you say that because that is also one of my biggest fears. And I just signed up my friend, Crystal. Um, she is doing an inclusivity and diversity. I just signed up and I'm really excited to start because of that exact, like, I want to be able to talk about it without feeling like I'm going to say something wrong or, um, and Crystal's so awesome when it comes to that stuff anyway, but anyway, um, so yeah, it's, I don't know. I feel like we went on a lot of, yeah, a we lot of laziness and then we got into the self-awareness. That's all right. I like it. I like it. This is, this is what I like when it comes to the podcast. Um, Don, what do you have coming up? This will be September, beginning, beginning of September. Um, do you know what's going on at that point or? Let's be honest. I am like, we were sharing, like, I want to, I get an idea and I want to do everything tomorrow by noon. I've tried planning out my entire year. Uh, and it is, I just can't do yeah. it. So, um, September, like I definitely like my program, Rock Your Business, which is my signature program. It helps, um, hairstylists make more while working less. Um, that will enroll likely before the end of the year. Again, I've enrolled a couple times. Um, but otherwise I'm, I'm just like on, on the gram having farting posts, reels. Um, I have like programs that are available all year round to my client building bundle on how to build your clientele quickly and efficiently with the right people in your chair. I also have my program rock your consultation that's always available so that you don't have like, you know, you're not disappointing people at the end. You can disappoint people early teaches you all through how how my consultation process works so that you get the best outcome and your clients happy always. So those are things that are always available, but otherwise I'm just like sitting back, hanging with my puppies. Um, taking it easy and being on Instagram and YouTube. being quote unquote lazy. Yeah, exactly. And you I have mean, a podcast, the anxious oh, yeah. creative podcast. I do. Totally forgot. I have too many things. <laughs> you model your business after mine. I was, I'm actually, so by the time this airs, I'll have done this, but I'm actually like going in with my online business manager and we're doing a complete audit of my business because I'm that person that's like oh, a podcast would be fun. Oh my gosh. A YouTube channel would be fun. And I'm like, okay, I need to take a step back in my own business and make sure like what's working, what's not like, how can, I don't want to just like eliminate the fun things if they're not working because they're still fun and I enjoy doing them, but how can we make sure that like, I'm not wasting my time. And I think as creatives, sometimes we like do the things that are fun and we don't like what isn't measured, isn't managed. Right. Like I've really gotten big into the metrics of my business in the last 18 months and being like, okay, now we can actually see like what's working and what's not working. And like, take like I can actually cut things out and like why why am I spending six hours a week on this right what's the ROI like is it even worth it yeah there we go there's business talk yeah (laughs) Don thank you so 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 much I absolutely love this conversation it's been Um, a pleasure Misty thank you for having me and you can come back on anytime because this this is exactly what this is all about love it. This has been so wonderful. And yeah, anyone listening, I'd love to stay in touch at, uh, on Instagram or any social media handle at Don Bradley here. Yep. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. Don, thank you so very much. Thank you. Once again, thank you so much for listening to Backroom Beauty Talks. If you liked this episode, don't forget, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, take a screenshot, post it on the gram, tag me at underscore Misty Jane with a Y underscore. Also, if you are interested in coaching, I have one-on-one coaching available. You can head to www.mistyjane.com and get more information. I would absolutely love to work with you. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode as always, and I'm going to keep them coming. So I will talk with you on the next one.